You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, The Gift That Keeps On Giving, Part 1. Enjoy. Packing uh, boxes at our get-together. One of the get-togethers we were on, at on Friday, and our little 8-year-old daughter, we're putting all the gifts in the boxes, and she says, oh, I feel so happy, she said. And she just felt so happy the whole time. Why did she feel happy? Because we were giving. We had all kinds of things. We were putting uh, coloring books and toys and crayons and hairbrushes and toothpaste and putting all this stuff in these totes. And we knew that these were going to children. And man, it feels good to give, to take something that you have or to go out and buy something and to give it to someone knowing that it's going to encourage them or make their lives better. And where does, that, where does that idea come from of giving? Yeah, I heard someone say, and I think it's great, that we're most like God when we're giving. Isn't that good? Because that's his nature. He's the giver. He's not the taker. He gives. For God so loved everybody, right? He loved everybody so much that he gave his one and only son. That's amazing love. And he gave us a gift that keeps on giving. And that's what we're going we're gonna to talk about today is the gift that keeps on giving. So we've got three Sundays, including today, before the end of the year. So we're going to talk about the gift that keeps on going for the next, keeps on giving and going for the next three Sundays. And today we're going to talk about the preparation for this gift. God made preparation. For years, he was preparing our hearts for Christ to come into our lives. And then next Sunday, the Sunday before Christmas, we're going to talk about the revealing of this gift, opening this thing up, Jesus coming. And then the the last Sunday of the year, we're going to talk about um, living life in the reality of this gift, living life, walking in the victory that God has given us through Christ. All right? So you need to know that the whole idea of giving is from God. There's nothing stingy about him. One of my favorite movies to watch at Christmas time is Scrooge, The Christmas Carol, the George C. Scott version. But uh, I, I like to watch the character of Scrooge. He's stingy. He doesn't want to let go of anything that he has. And that's the absolute opposite of God the Father. He's freely given us everything that he has. And and, and it's up to us to receive it. Now, when we look in the scriptures in the Holy Bible, we see that God is the beginning and he's the end. In fact, we see that God knows the end from the beginning. How sweet would that be to know what the score was going to be at the end of the game before the game began, right? You can make some money, couldn't you? (laughs) Yeah, so God knew the end from the beginning. God knew what you would go through before you went through it. We're talking about preparation for the gift that God wanted to give you. Now, I want you to understand something. All of us, to one degree or another, have been through difficult things. And... We're living in a fallen world that's fallen apart. And there are things we've all been through that were not the will of God for our lives. I mean, I grew up in a home that was a lot of pain, 
a lot of fighting. I didn't want to be there. It wasn't God's will for my home to be that way. Okay, we're living in a, in a the Bible says that Satan is the God of this world. And there are decisions that were made in my home as a kid that were not good decisions. There are things that were said that never should have been said. There were things that were done that never should have been done. And they hurt a lot. God didn't want that to happen. But the good news is the abundant provision that he prepared for me in Christ is far greater than anything I've been through. And the same is true of all of us. Regardless of, of the difficult things we've had to go through, the provision that God has for you, I don't know how he does it, but he takes hearts that are broken and he makes them whole. And he can take a life that's absolutely in pieces and make it brand new. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. He did it in my life. And I watch him do it in other people's lives, and it's amazing. So I want you to know that God saw what you were going to go through before you ever went through it. And, you know, God doesn't, there are things that God doesn't want to happen. But if they happen, his provision is sufficient for us to heal us, to make us whole, to put us back together again. And, and after all the smoke is clear, you'll be stronger than you ever were before it ever happened. So I want you to know that God has prepared a beautiful life for you. He's prepared a place for you. And I'm not talking about heaven. That's amazing. And yes, he's prepared a place for us in heaven. But I'm talking about December 14th in 2014, living your life today, that God has prepared a life for you, a quality of life that is beyond what you've asked or imagined. And this place that God prepared for us, he did long before we were born. And it's experienced through relationship with Christ, not through religion. Religion can't get you there. Man's theology can't get you there. It's receiving God's love personally in your own heart for you. See, that's what, that's what relationship with God is. It's, it's, it's faith in his love for you, right? Faith in what he did for you. It's receiving his very word personally. Because really, as powerful as the Bible is, it won't do any good in your life until you know God did what he did just for you. That's when things begin to change, that Christ died for me that he endured the, the, the gross suffering that he endured so that I would be whole. Then everything begins to change so that my broken heart can be fixed. And I love God. You know, he's not mysterious. Religion makes him seem that way, but Jesus didn't. Jesus cleared the air and revealed the heart of God to us. I love that about God. He states very clearly what he's all about. And when you're in a relationship with someone, you didn't know what they're really all about. Have you ever been in a relationship with someone and you found out they really weren't what they said they were? That hurts, doesn't it? God's not like that. Jesus told us very clearly in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, this is the reason that I have come. This is the very heart of God the Father, that you might have life, and might have it more abundantly. And that's the heart 
of God towards us this morning. Isn't that awesome? And this abundant life that he has for us is experienced when we enter into a relationship with him. When we begin to receive his promises for us personally. All right? So this God that we're talking about that's in the room right now, and you don't have to wait for someone to pray for you. Receive whatever it is that you need from God just as, as we're, we're going forward in the service. God knows your needs before you ask him. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for meeting needs right now, right now, for healing broken hearts right now. We thank you, Lord God, for putting hope for giving vision and dreams right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for putting lives back together again right now. This God that we're worshiping this morning is the God that's gone ahead of us and made provision for us. And isn't that how love behaves? I mean, when we have friends over for dinner, right, you invite someone that you care about, say, come on over on Friday, let's have dinner. And here it is, it's on Sunday. Before Friday ever comes, love goes to work, right? Love begins thinking, what can we make for them? What are the ingredients that we need to, to put together a meal that they really enjoy? Love begins to write those things down, right? Love goes to the store and uses its own resources to buy the ingredients that it needs to, to, to make that person's time more satisfying. Love spends its time putting those ingredients together to create a meal that's going to make that time together uh, uh, more rich. And that's what God did. He put the ingredients together that we need to have a meal that makes us strong and makes us whole. And he did that through Jesus. In fact, Psalm 23, I think it's verse 5, says, you prepare a table before me. That's how love behaves. Before you ever come over, love is preparing a table for you so that when you walk in the door, Jesus said, I'm the door, you can sit down at the table and enjoy a meal that's going to make you strong. And see, verse 5 says, you prepare a table before me. In other words, I know how you behave. I know your heart towards me. Your heart is a heart that has made rich provision for me. And because of that, I can say verse 6, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life because you're a heart that prepares for me. You're a God who has gone before me and made rich provision for me. You saw what I was going to go through before I went through it, and your grace is sufficient to make me whole and to keep me whole and to take me forward into the fullness of your plan for my life. And this is, what, this is how love talks. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. This is, how, this is the heart of God towards you. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's love talking. That's the heart of your father, your heavenly father. And the message translation says it this way, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. 
And when I was growing up and in pain in my home, there are times I'd stick my head in my pillow and I'd just scream because I was hurting so bad. And at 19, I began learning these promises. And it changed everything. I thought, God, you're not like the people who've hurt me. You care for me. You know how to care for me. And when you begin to receive his love for you personally, your heart will begin to mend and grow stronger. And I, boy, I just, that's what God wants to do right now is make hearts strong. Go ahead, Holy Spirit. Just let him, let him strengthen your heart right now. Just let him strengthen your heart. A calm and undisturbed heart are the life and health of the body, says Proverbs. I think that's verse four, chapter 14, verse 30. He's healing hearts this morning. You know, loving parents, they prepare for a baby, don't they? Man, as soon as they find out they're pregnant, look out, right? They start looking, what can we do to the house, right? We need to make room. What kind of furniture do we need? What, what supplies do we need? And, and they go to work, and it's nine months away, right? But they're loving parents are trying, doing everything they do to get ready for that baby because they want to make sure that baby has everything that baby could need right, when the time comes. And that's what God's done for us. Now, if we do that as fallen people, people who have made mistakes, how much more God? In fact, in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, it says that, speaking of Jesus, the Lamb of God, that he was slain before the foundation of the world. That's preparation, right? That's thinking ahead, right? He's thinking ahead. And, and you know, when God made man, he didn't just make man and stick him in the earth. In fact, he took five God days, Five maker of the universe days. And he put stars in the sky. Can't even count them. But he's got them all named. I put the sun in place. He put the moon in place. He made the seas and the rivers and the lakes and the trees and blossoming plants and flowers and fruits and vegetables and creatures that fly and creatures that swim and creatures that run. And then he filled the earth with precious metals and he created a beautiful garden and he created a beautiful place. And then he set man in the middle of it. That's how love behaves. And God, love has prepared a beautiful place for you. Right now. Let today be the beginning of that. How? By putting your faith in God's love for you. So it was God's plan from the very beginning for us to walk in relationship with him to experience this abundant life that he came to give us. And this provision that he made for us, this gift that keeps on giving is Jesus. And you'll find all throughout the Old Testament, God was broadcasting what he was going to do. He was telling us about Jesus. And I like this. On the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, and on the third day, he's on the road to Emmaus, and he appears to two disciples. They don't recognize him. And in Luke chapter 24, the risen Christ is talking to these guys, and they don't know who he is. And they're so down because they were hoping that Jesus was going to change everything, but they saw him die on the cross, and they saw him put into a tomb. So they figured it was over. And here he is walking with them on the third day. And this is what he says to them in Luke chapter 24, verse 27. Jesus is talking to them. He says, and beginning at Moses, 
Moses was the author of the first five books, the Pentateuch, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? And all the prophets. That's the Old Testament, right? Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You can go all the way back to Genesis and see God prophesying that his son was going to come. In Genesis chapter 3, he's speaking to Satan, and he said, a seed is going to be born of woman that's going to crush your head, that's going to take back what you've stolen and put you back where you belong under the feet of my creation. Isn't that awesome? So let's go back in the Old Testament right now. We're preparing for looking at God's preparation for this gift. I mean, it's like God was bursting at the seams trying to get his son into the earth. And man's heart became so hard that God was doing everything he could. I want my son to get in the earth that I can redeem mankind. Let's go all the way back to Genesis. There are a number of places you can see Jesus in the Old Testament, a a whole bunch. But we're going to look at the clearest one. Okay, there are all kinds of types and shadows in the Old Testament. But we're going to look at the clearest foretelling of Christ, and that's through Abraham and Isaac. Okay, so we're going to go back there. Before we do, we're going to go to Genesis 22. But before we, we, you can turn there now if you'd like. Let's talk about Abraham a little bit. Romans says that Abraham is the father of our faith. That's quite a statement. Now, I want you to understand, Abraham lived about 500 years before the law. In fact, man was on earth for about uh, 2,500 years from Adam until the law. So when you think of God, don't think of the law. Because man's been, since Adam to today is about 6,000 years, if you trace out the genealogy from Adam until today. Before Adam, we don't know how much time there was, but from Adam until today, we can trace the actual genealogies and get accounts. So it's about 6,000 years. Out of those 6,000 years, only about 1,490 of them were with the law. The law was not God's plan. He wanted relationship. So after 2,500 years, the heart of man had become so hard, God had to give the law that we would realize our desperate need for a Savior. But that's not his heart. Okay, he wants relationship. So Abraham, he's walking with God. There's no Ten Commandments, okay? Hadn't been written yet, none. There's no Levitical priesthood. There's just God and him. And that's what God wants today. He doesn't want us to walk with him based on a commandment. He wants us to walk with him because we love him, out of love for who he is. Love is greater than a commandment. God desires mercy, not sacrifice. It's a hard thing for religion to understand, but we've got it at Highway Church. Amen. It's love. Love is the victory, right? So here's Abraham, no Ten Commandments, no priesthood. He's walking with God, and God speaks to him. God calls him to leave the country, to leave his family, and to go to a place that he's going to reveal to him. And in Genesis chapter 15, by this point, Abraham's somewhere between 75 and 86, probably in his late 70s. And God says to him in Genesis chapter 15, he says, I'm going to make your children more numerous than the stars in the sky. Now, Abraham had no children at that point, Zippo, and he's in the late 70s. And his wife was barren. Okay? So God gave him a promise that was supernatural. It was not possible naturally. 
And God wants to do things in your life that are supernatural. Because to get to the beautiful place that he has for you, you're going to need the supernatural power of God. And it's available to you right now. He wants to make you whole, and there's no, uh, there's no man-made recipe that can fix us. So God speaks this supernatural promise to a man in his late 70s whose wife is barren, has no children, and say, your children are going to outnumber the stars in the heavens. And in verse 6 of Genesis 15, it says, Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So he's our father. He's the father of our faith. So we do that same thing. When we read the supernatural promises of God, we receive them even though it may look impossible to us. Even though we may not feel it or see it or see any way that that can happen in our lives. Just like Abraham, we believe the Lord and it's credited to our account as done. In Genesis chapter 17, God speaks again to Abraham. By this time, he's 86 years old. Still has no children. Wife is still barren. And he says to him, a father of many nations have I made you. No kids. See, God doesn't know what impossible means. He doesn't know there's anything impossible. He doesn't know that. That's the only thing he doesn't know. Because with him, all things are possible. So he gives, again, he gives him a supernatural promise. He said, I have made you a father of many nations. So in order for this to happen, God has to go to work. God has to do something to change Abraham's situation. Abraham had to bear a son, right? And from that one son, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. That's supernatural, right? One son, the entire earth being blessed through one son. So now let's go to Genesis 22. Let's look at this. This is good. This is a picture of God the Father and God the Son. All right? So God speaks to Abraham in verse 1, and he says, Abraham, I love the way that Abraham responds. He says, here I am. And that's the way we respond to someone we love. They call your name. You say, I'm here. Right? Remember, there's no law here, no Ten Commandments, no Moses at this point. Right? Here I am. And God says in verse 2, take now your son, your only son. How many sons did he have? It was his only son. How many sons did God have? What's John 3.16 say? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? Take now your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. That's what we named our uh, daughter after. This means either God is my teacher or provision of God, the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. Now the scholars who studied the, the, the area uh, in the Middle East feel that this same mount where Isaac was to be sacrificed was the same mount where Jesus would be crucified or was crucified 2,000 years later. Isn't that just like God? How he does. So here it is, 2,000 years prior to that, he's got a father and a son, right, going up the mountain to, 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 to demonstrate what he's about to do through his son. 
All right? So take your son one of the, on one of the mountains, I shall tell you. Now, verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two, two young men with him and Isaac his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. It doesn't seem that there is any hesitation whatsoever in Abraham's heart. Right? I believe that's why the Bible said that he rose early in the morning. You don't get up early in the morning if you're hesitating. Right? He could have slept until noon. Right? Had some cereal, watched some cartoons, and then, then went. But he didn't. He got up early in the morning. Right? And he took off. Now, Hebrews, keep your finger in Genesis 22 because we're coming back. I want you to understand why he got up early in the morning. God had already given him the promise. And when you've got the promise, you've got the fulfillment of it. What was God's promise? Through your son, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, right? That was a promise. He already had that. He found and knew God to be faithful. So regardless of what God told him or what it looked like, he knew that God was going to keep his word. Hebrews 11, verses 17 through 19 say that by faith, what's faith? Being sure and certain of what you hope for. Right? And what you do not see. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only, or only begotten son. Right? Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Look at verse 19. It's on the screen. Accounting that God was able to raise him up. What's God able to do in your life? I mean, is your life too far gone? Are things too bad in your life for God? To make your life into a beautiful life? Uh -uh. So here's Abraham. He's finally got the son. And understand Isaac at this point in time in Genesis 22 is a young man. He's got the son that he had been believing for for years. And now God is asking him to sacrifice him. But it says in verse 9, he accounted that God was able to raise his son from the dead. Right? From whence also he received him in a figure, just like God. God knew that his son was going to rise from the dead. It pleased him to have his son crushed and crucified because he knew the result of that sacrifice would be many, many children. And here you are. Isn't that awesome? All right, go back to Genesis 22 now, verse 4. Then on the what day? Third day. When did Jesus rise? On the third day. Walking on the road to Emmaus, right? On the third day. Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham says to his young man, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and what? Worship. worship. Keep your finger there. We're going to Romans 4. They worship. They were, the, his plan was to go and to worship God. Romans chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. It's on the screen. Going to read it to you out of the Amplified. Says, no unbelief or distrust made him waver. Doubtingly questioned concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong, which means he wasn't always strong, right? He grew strong and was empowered, which means he wasn't always powerful. He grew strong. He was empowered by faith. How? 
as he gave praise and glory to God. We're going over here to worship, to give praise and glory. Why is he giving praise and glory to God? Because God is faithful. God will fulfill his promise for me. God will fulfill his promise for me, so I'm going to go and worship him that he is faithful to do what he said he would do in my life. Verse 21, fully assured, fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and do what he had promised. Worship will bring you to that place. You take the promises that God has given you and you get alone with him in the morning and you worship him and say, thank you, Father, that you bore my sins. You took my sins, my sicknesses, my diseases. You put them on your son, Jesus, and that you gave me your very own righteousness, that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new, that you are living strong in me. You've given me a new spirit. You've put your spirit in me. You've gone before me. You're leading and guiding me. You're accomplishing the things that concern me. You're working all things out for my good. You are meeting all of my needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I spend time doing this in the morning. I like to do it before anyone else is up. Early in the morning, get up and just worship God that his promises are fulfilled in my life. And if you will just do that and cultivate that habit, your heart will grow stronger, you'll grow strong in faith, and you'll be empowered. And that's what God wants for you. Let's keep going. Genesis chapter uh, 4, excuse me, 22 verse, where did we stop at? Verse 5? Yeah. So they went yonder. He said, we're going to go yonder and worship. So Genesis 22, 5. And then at the end of verse 5, what does he say? And we will come back to you. This man is sure of what's about to happen, right. right? Why? Because God is sure. God is faithful. You can know the future when you're trusting in him. You might not know how it's going to work out, but you know it's going to work out. You might not know how everything's going to be put back together again, but you can know that he's going to do it, right? Verse 5, verse 6, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac. The wood of the cross was laid on Jesus, right? And he had to carry his cross. His, and then he took the fire. So the father has the fire in his hands. John the Baptist said that, that I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me who'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That Jesus bore the cross to open the door for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, that the fire of God would burn brightly in our lives, burning up what doesn't need to be there and shedding light and giving strength to us each and every day. So he took the wood and the fire and he took a knife. And the Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Jesus bore the cross so that the door could be opened for the Holy Spirit to come and make his home in us so that the word of God would come alive in us, which is the sword of the Spirit, which cuts through the mucky muck of this world, which cuts through and slices in pieces the strategies of the devil. When you speak the word of God, you're, you're swinging the sword of the Spirit and you're breaking through through the, the strongholds and the strategies that the enemy is trying to set up in your life. So he took it all and he, and he goes up the mountain and verse seven, Isaac, his son, speaks to him and says, my father. 
He said, here I am, my son. He says, look at the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? When John the Baptist saw Jesus before he was baptized, he said, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 8, Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb. That's a statement of confidence. He has no other reason to believe that except that God gave him a promise. He doesn't see his provision. He just knows that he promised him. And that's where the enemy tries to discourage you. He wants you to try and see. Well, if you can't see it or you can't feel it, he wants to tell you you don't have it. No, that's not, the, that's not you've got it. You, when you've got God's promise, you've got it and begin to worship him that it's yours, regardless of whether you see it or feel it. You're right, it is right. Amen. God will provide the lamb. Verse 9, they come to the place which God told them. Abraham builds an altar, places the wood in order. He binds his son Isaac and lays him on the altar. So you got to know that God the son had faith in his father. Isaac had faith in his father, right? Here he is, he's letting his father bind him and laying on top of a pile of wood as a sacrifice, you got to know he had a good relationship with his dad, right? Right? He was trusting in him. And you can trust in your father even in the midst of a dangerous situation. He's got your back. He always has the best in store for you. He always has nothing but good in store for you. So Isaac, you got to know, is a young man who had a good relationship with his father. Jesus said, when you see me, you've seen the father. He knew how his father would behave. He knew what his father would do. And, and right now, God wants you to know how he will behave in your life, that he has plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. Amen. All right, he's laying there, and Abraham stretches out his hand. He takes the knife to slay his son, and the angel of the Lord says, Abraham, Abraham, and I love how Abraham responds, same way he did uh, many, many uh, a while ago. Here I am, right? Here I am, because he's got that loving relationship with the Father. He says, don't lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have with not, not withheld your son, your only son for me. So now God knows the heart of Abraham because Abraham gave God everything he could give. And now we know the heart of God the Father because he did not withhold his only son for him. So God had confidence in Abraham and we have confidence in God the Father. Now we know that he loves us. Now we know that he's healed us because he gave his only son everything he could give. So we have that same confidence that God had in Abraham, we have in God the Father, because he didn't withhold from us. In fact, Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and 32 says this, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son. It's the ultimate display of love, giving everything you could give, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Let's finish, finish up Genesis, verse 13. Abraham then lifted up his eyes and looked, and there behind him was God's provision for the sacrifice. He took the ram, offered it up. And verse 14, Abraham called the name of that place. In Hebrew, it's Jehovah Hireh or Jehovah Jireh, we say in English. The Lord will 
provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. The King James says, it shall be seen. Provision. Pro means before, vision means see. In other words, God has seen before it happened what you would need. God went ahead of you and made sure that you would have everything you need to live the abundant life he came to give you. Isn't that wonderful? He's gone ahead of us. He's seen our needs and made abundant provision for us. So before we were born, God saw our needs. He saw your dreams. And he made provision for you. And his provision is greater than anything we've ever been through. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. <laughs> Celebrating Christ, Christmas takes on a whole new meaning when you realize what God's done for us, why Christ came. And you see the preparation that God underwent to get his son into the earth. So I want you to know this this morning. There are blessings with your name on them that can only be realized and experienced through relationship with Christ. And God wants to encourage you this morning, regardless of how bad it's been or what you've been through or what kind of state your family life is in or your personal life, that there is a life for you that's greater than you've dreamed of. And it's a life of walking with God. Sensing his presence in you, leading and guiding you, seeing his promises fulfilled in your life, being the person that he made you to be and accomplishing all that he has in store for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this rich time together. We thank you, Lord, for taking us back to the Old Testament, to looking at one of the clearest pictures that you gave before Jesus came of what you would do for us through your son. And Lord, there are hearts here this morning that you gave your son for. And you know where we're at, Lord. You know what we're all dealing with and what's going on in our private lives. And I know this, Father, that you are the healer of broken hearts. You are the mender of broken dreams. And Father, we come together right now. We join our faith and we ask you, Father, to mend broken hearts right now, to heal broken hearts in this place, to put lives back together again. That everyone in here, every man and woman and child, would know that nothing is too difficult for you, that nothing is impossible with you. In Jesus' name. Before you were born, God saw your needs and your dreams, and he made provision for you. His provision is greater than anything you've been through. Put your faith in his promises and let him take you higher. In Jesus' name, amen.